everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care podcast, an educational podcast for individuals needing long-term care and their families. On November 12th, 2021, CMS issued updated visitation guidance. In this episode, we want to go through that guidance with you so that you understand what your rights are. The most important thing to understand is that visitation is now allowed for all residents at all times. My name is Katie Kohler, and I'm here with Jocelyn Bogdan from Consumer Voice, who is going to talk a bit more about what the current guidance says and what rights residents of nursing homes have. To view any materials that are mentioned during this podcast, visit theconsumervoice.org slash pursuing quality. So hi, Jocelyn. Hi, thanks. Um, So as most of you know, starting in March of 2020, CMS began issuing guidance that severely restricted and frankly, completely shut down visitation in nursing homes. As the pandemic progressed, they updated the guidance slowly, allowing visitation in certain situations, and then later updated it again, allowing more visitation. But each time they left an enormous amount of discretion to facilities. And we know that residents suffered immensely from this. They suffered physically from neglect and poor care, and they suffered emotionally from the incredible isolation they endured. We know families suffered too, unable to see mothers, fathers, siblings, friends, and children. At Consumer Voice, we have been strongly advocating for a full restoration of residents' rights to visitation for months, because enough is enough. We sent a letter to CMS with other advocacy groups in June asking them to restore this right to residents. And last month, CMS finally issued new guidance that comes pretty close. They acknowledge the suffering that residents have endured, and they acknowledge the different world we're living in now with such high levels of vaccinated residents and the new rules requiring staff vaccinations. As a result, this new guidance allows for visitation for all residents at all times. This is huge. We know that it's important for everyone to understand this new guidance and to be able to articulate the rights that residents have when it comes to seeing their families. And so we strongly urge, and I mean, we strongly urge that if you are a family member or you're an ombudsman, take this guidance, print it out, and take it with you to your facilities. Having this guidance with you enables you to show the facility the exact language, exactly what CMS has said in regards to visitation, that residents are allowed to have visitors at all times and that the facilities cannot arbitrarily restrict visitation. So after this, after this podcast, after you listen, print out the guidance, or if you don't have a printer, pull it up on your phone, save it, keep it with you so that you can show it to the facility. Thanks. Um, So can we talk for a minute about the most important takeaways from the guidance? Sure. And and like you said earlier, Katie, we want to go through all of the guidance with you. But the most important takeaways are that you can visit your loved ones at all times and they are able to leave the facility at all times. Now, this last part has always been true, but we know it's really been a struggle for people. But facilities must allow indoor visitation at all times for all residents now. And this is this is a huge change. So can you just explain a bit about what that means? So we know some facilities have been allowing visitation in some capacity for a while now, um, but how does this change things? Sure. So like I said, facilities must allow indoor visitation at all times for all residents. And what that means is that they can't tell you that you can only visit between 12 and 2 or during working hours. I spoke to someone a few weeks ago who said that until this guidance came out, um, 
her mom's facility kept shutting down because of outbreak cases. And now that this guidance is out, they're allowing visitation between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. That is not acceptable. That is not following this guidance. And she's speaking with her ombudsman about it. Um, But what this guidance means is you can come whenever you want. Residents are allowed to have visitors whenever they want them. And also facilities can't limit the frequency of visits, the length of visits, the number of visitors. and, And this is really important. They can't require appointments for visitation anymore. So you don't need to pre-schedule your visit. And this is very different from when we know that visits were allowed, but were still restricted. Now it is, and we want to emphasize it, consumer voice, like we're still living through a pandemic. Residents are still a vulnerable population. And so everyone, and this is in the guidance, still needs to follow all COVID-19 infection prevention protocols. Your visits cannot increase the risks of COVID to other residents. So in line with that, Visitors should be screened before entering to ensure they don't have COVID. Now, this is different than testing or a vaccine requirement, and we'll come back to that in a couple minutes. But if the facility knows you've tested positive for COVID, you won't be allowed in, and you won't be allowed in if you have any symptoms of COVID. So what are some of the other big changes in the guidance? Okay, so... First, vaccinated and unvaccinated residents can have close contact, including touch now. And this has always been true, or at least for for many months, it's been true for vaccinated residents, but now it's true for everyone. Unless there be any confusion about it, the guidance clearly states, and this is a quote, unvaccinated residents may also choose to have physical touch based on their preferences and needs. The guidance does say that in those instances, visitors should be made aware of the risks, but that's it. It can happen. And if a facility pushes back, this is where it's great to have that guidance with you so you can point it out. It's right there in the middle of page five that unvaccinated residents can have physical touch. Um, Something else that's different, well, actually, this is the same. Um, Communal activities and communal dining should be happening. And we know there are residents who reported as recently as this summer that their facilities were still not conducting any activities or dining. And there's just no reason for that at this point. The guidance allows for both of these things, but it does state that the safest approach is for everyone to wear masks when they're in communal areas. Um, And the last big point before we get into more specifics is that while CMS strongly encourages vaccinations, and I want to add that Consumer Voice also strongly encourages everyone who enters a nursing home to be vaccinated, Um, but while CMS strongly encourages that, nursing homes cannot turn away visitors or ombudsmen or protection and advocacy representatives or surveyors based on their vaccine status. Thanks. So that's a really good big picture. Um, But now, is it possible to walk us through the guidance in a little bit more detail? Um, One section in particular that's a little confusing is on masking. So when masks are required for visitors and residents. Yeah, and you're right, Katie, that part of the guidance is confusing. But, But here's the main point. If residents and visitors are fully vaccinated and they're not immunocompromised, then they can decide if they want to wear masks and have physical contact. Now, if COVID-19 rates are high in the community, if they're substantial to high, the guidance strongly encourages residents and visitors to mask. It says that they should wear face coverings or masks. And even when community rates are lower, the guidance states that it's always safest to mask and to distance, especially if the resident or the visitor isn't vaccinated or if the resident is someone who's at high risk. But the takeaway here is, If the resident and their visitors are fully vaccinated and not immunocompromised, they can choose to take off their masks with each other. 
It also notes, and this is important, that visitors should always wear their masks around other residents and staff, basically around every person who they're not there visiting. So what about where the visits can happen? Can visitors enter residents' rooms or can facilities force residents to meet in the hallways of the facility? Um, And what happens if there's a roommate? Does that change anything? Yeah, so in in the previous guidance, a lot of visitation was taking place outside of the resident's room. And we know this was very hard for residents and their families. The resident's room is their home. And for the family to not be able to visit there, for loved ones not to be able to look around and make sure that things were in place, that pictures were on the wall, that clothes were hanging in the closet, we know that's been really hard on everyone. So now the guidance states that visitation can occur in the resident's room or in a designated visitation area and that visitors still should not be wandering around the facility, that they should go straight to the residence room or to that other designated space. And you brought up a really great question about what if there's a roommate. The resident has a roommate who isn't vaccinated or a roommate who is but is immunocompromised, then this is a time where still visitation really shouldn't be occurring in the residence room. If at all possible, it should take place elsewhere. Now, if the resident can't leave the room for health reasons, then the facility needs to find a way to work around this to allow for in-room visitation while also adhering to COVID-19 infection prevention protocols to ensure that the roommate stays safe. And, you know, we anticipate this is going to be an area where there's still some uncertainty. If you want visitation in your room and your roommate doesn't, there are likely going to be issues. And and right off the bat, we just want to encourage people to try to work with your facility and with your roommate. Maybe you can visit when the roommate's at lunch or at an activity, or you can come to the room for a few minutes and then move to a designated space. These situations are likely going to be very situation specific. But the good news here is that families can be able to come back into their loved one's rooms. So can you talk a little bit about what happens if a resident is quarantined? So before this meant that they couldn't have indoor visitation. So is that different now? Yes. So this is another big change with quarantine and transmission-based precautions, which is sort of the level below quarantine. Residents who are in these situations, so if they have suspected COVID or if they're quarantined for other reasons, they can still have indoor visitation now. And these visits that actually says should occur in the residence room and the residents should have their masks on. And also a visitor should be made aware of the situation before visiting. So if you're coming to visit someone, the facility needs to tell you that, you know, you're visiting someone who's been exposed and, you know, you're taking these risks um, because you need to understand the risks and precautions necessary before you come. And I do want to add here, these visits are not recommended. Um, The guidance actually says that they don't recommend these visits, but that they are allowed. And so this is a big, big change from the previous guidance, where before these visits did not happen inside under any circumstances, um, except for compassionate care. But the guidance clearly states now that these visits can happen. And again, this is another time where you want to have that guidance with you so you can point it out to the facility. Residents are allowed to have visitation in these circumstances now. And so what happens if there is an outbreak? I know before the shutdown, facilities kept visitors out. So what does the updated guidance say about outbreaks? So this is another big, big change. And you're right. In the past, outbreaks were a big problem for visitation. And particularly in the few months leading up to this new guidance, They were really the big reason we heard from families that visitation was shut down. There had been a positive case, and so the facility shut down. And right when they were reopening, there was another positive staff member, for instance, and so they were shutting down again. Um, And I mean, this was really a reason that we saw facilities shut their doors. And so I'm going to, again, read the exact language from the guidance here. 
While it is safer for visitors not to enter facilities during an outbreak situation, visitors must still be allowed in the facility. And so you cannot get clearer than that. Even when there's an outbreak investigation going on, you must, and they use the word must, be allowed in. This is a big change, and hopefully this really makes a difference in the lives of residents and families. Because facilities can no longer keep visitors out because of positive cases, you must be allowed in. And now, again, if this is the situation, all visitors should mask regardless of their vaccination status during their visit. And these visits, like um, under quarantine, should, if at all possible, happen in the residents' rooms. And again, visitors should be made aware of the situation beforehand so they know they're walking into a facility where there are positive cases so they can take the necessary precautions. Thanks. Yeah, that's a huge change and will likely help a lot of residents get to see their families and loved ones. So. Um, what does the new guidance say about testing and vaccination? Sure. So facilities are encouraged to offer testing. And if they don't offer testing, then they should encourage visitors to get tested before they come. But visitors are not required to be tested before entering a facility. And as we noted before, while CMS strongly encourages all visitors to be vaccinated and to be clear, so does Consumer Voice, facilities cannot require vaccinations to enter facilities. If you're entering a facility with a population of vulnerable residents during a pandemic, of course it is better to be vaccinated, but this is not a reason that a facility can deny visitation. And again, this includes visitors, ombudsmen, PNA system representatives, and surveyors. So what else does the guidance say about ombudsmen and PNA program representatives? Sure. So it says that nursing homes must provide them with immediate access to any resident. If a resident is in quarantine or on transmission-based precautions, or if they're unvaccinated in a county that has a high level of community spread, then everyone should be made aware of the risk of visiting. And then the visitation should, this is another place where it should happen in the resident's room. But there's still that need for immediate access. And also facilities must continue to allow alternative communication if that's what the resident chooses. And of course, facilities have to comply with all federal disability rights law. Does this apply to other healthcare workers as well? And what's their status now? So in terms of the entry of healthcare workers, this is mostly the same as in previous guidance. Healthcare workers must be allowed into facilities as long as they're not showing signs of COVID or subject to a work exclusion. And this includes anyone coming in if they're assisting a resident with the transition back to the community. And also just to make this point, EMS workers are actually the only sort of category of people who do not have to be screened before entering. Assumedly an EMS worker is coming in because there's an emergency situation. So there's an exception for them in the guidance. Thanks. So can you talk a little bit about what happens when a resident leaves their facility? So we know residents are able to leave, but they've been subject to restrictions upon returning. Um, what does this look like under the updated guidance? Yeah, so this is really the last big category, but it's a really important one. And just to be clear, and I think I said this earlier, Residents have always been allowed to leave their facilities. What happens upon return, though, has changed a bit. Residents are just like everyone else. They can leave their homes if they want to. And we know this, this section is actually really important in light of the upcoming holidays. Residents can leave the facility whenever they choose. When they come back, they should be screened for signs or symptoms of COVID-19. Now, if they or a family member reports that there's a close contact with someone with COVID-19, then that resident should be tested regardless of whether or not they're vaccinated. 
If they're not vaccinated, then they should be placed in quarantine. Now, remember, this is only if they've had close contact with someone with COVID. Alternatively, if they haven't, but they come back and start developing signs or symptoms after returning to the facility, then they should be placed on transmission-based precautions regardless of their vaccination status. And if a resident leaves frequently or for a prolonged time, which I believe is more than 24 hours, then unvaccinated residents can be tested even if they're not showing signs or symptoms. Facilities can also quarantine unvaccinated residents who leave the facility if it isn't clear to them that they followed infection prevention practices or if it's not clear that those around them did. And again, that is for unvaccinated residents. When this guidance was written on November 12th, it noted that 86% of residents were already fully vaccinated. So for most residents, they will be able to come and go without many of these concerns, unless they've had close contact with a positive person or they're showing signs of COVID. Residents should be monitored daily upon return and residents who leave for 24 hours or longer should be treated as new or readmissions as recommended by CDC guidance. Now, this again is where we see that difference between vaccinated and unvaccinated. Um, what we, we have a summary, and I think Katie, you can direct people to this in a few minutes, but we have a summary of this guidance and on it, we have a link to the CDC guidance, but, but basically what it says is if a resident is unvaccinated, then as a new admission or a readmission, they should be placed on quarantine for 14 days, even if they have a negative test. Um, it does allow that if community transmission where the facility is located is low, then the facility could elect not to do this based on their own risk assessment. Um, but what is clear is that this is not happening for residents who are vaccinated um, or who are within 90 days of a COVID infection. They do not need to quarantine when they're either entering as a new or readmission or after leaving the facility for 24 hours. And so the lesson here is that if you are vaccinated, you can come and go from your facility without too much concern. And, and that's great. I mean, that's exactly as it should be. Thanks. So the updated, updated guidance sounds like it restores most of residents' rights, um, but what if facilities don't want to follow it? What can a resident or family member do? That's always such an important question, and, and it's one we get over and over again because we hear from families all the time whose facilities aren't following the guidance. Um, advocacy is hard. You know, overall at Consumer Voice, we're, we're happy with this new guidance. It goes so much further than the previous guidances, and, and we really hope that it is the full restoration of residents' rights to visitation that residents deserve, but we have all lived through these past 20, 21 months, um, and we know better than to assume that this is going to unfold without any issues. And so what do you do if your facility continues to deny visitation first? And I know you hear this from us a lot, but we're just going to keep saying it. Contact your long-term care ombudsman program. This is what they are there for, to advocate for residents of long-term care. They can help you advocate for the visitation that you deserve, and you can find their contact information on our website. And also, please, please file a complaint with your state survey agency. If your rights aren't being met, you need to file a complaint so that it can be investigated. Denial of visitation for a resident should absolutely be investigated. You can find out more information um, for how to do that and the contact information on our website as well. You can also ask your ombudsman to help you file a complaint. Um, and also you should reach out to the leaders in your state. They need to know what's going on. And so we strongly encourage you to contact your state legislators, your local representatives to tell them what's happening. And finally, keep at it. If you don't get a callback, 
call again. Sometimes advocacy takes a lot of work and it's not fair, but it's the reality. Sometimes one phone call is not going to be enough. The guidance is very clear now. These are your rights and they should be enforced. Thanks so much, Jocelyn. This was really helpful and I'm glad you could be here to answer these questions. Um, so if you have any more questions, you can visit our website and find more resources, including a summary of the new guidance, which is at theconsumervoice.org slash pursuing quality. This podcast is a program of the Avoiding Drugs as Chemical Restraints Consumer Education Campaign, a partnership of the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care and AARP Foundation. Make sure to visit our website where you can share your story with us, subscribe to the podcast, and find more resources about the campaign. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you.